Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have David Dodge with us today, and so this is your episode if you're interested in the Burr method. So I'm going to send everybody to uh, David's website first. So go to wholesalinginc.com slash rentals, where David has uh, quite a few, quite a bit of information there on what you can learn about the Burr method and what's it all about. But uh, David, I really appreciate your time here today. Hey, I really appreciate you having me. I'm super grateful for this opportunity to come and provide value to your audience, Jack. So thanks for having me, man. No, I appreciate it. And you know, you host a podcast as well. So Discount Property Investors is one of them, but you you pop in and out of the Wholesaling Inc. podcast quite a bit as well. Um, I bring that up is because we have so many listeners that pop in and out on, on these type of shows. So I This is going to sound simplistic, but I kind of want to start off for those people who aren't as familiar with what Burr is to let's define, take a minute and define it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Burr is a acronym and a lot of people, they refer to it as the Burr method. That's what I refer to it at. In fact, I've written a book called the Burr method, which breaks it down and uh, Burr is, is B with four R's behind it. So that's what the acronym is you know, made up of. And each of those letters represent uh, a word or a phrase. So B stands for buy. And I like to add at a discount because that's very, very important. And then there's four R's behind the B. And those R's stand for rehab, uh, rent, refinance. And then the last R is repeat. So some people will refer to this as Burr with three R's, B with three R's, and then other people will refer to it as B with four R's for Burr. That final R, it just stands for repeat, right? So I've even heard people refer to this as the Burr's method, and they just replace that fourth R with an S, and they just say a scale instead of repeat. But at the end of the day, it's all the same. Uh, so again, to, to, to sum it up, it's to buy, it's to rehab, it's to rent it out, and then it's to refinance and then, of course, this strategy is very, very scalable. So, of course, add that last R in there for repeat. And that is what it is, my friend. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you taking a minute. I, I, I know it sounds pretty elementary, but I really think that's that's pretty important to, to get everybody on the same page. What I think is really interesting is that you start things off by stating buy at a discount. Uh, a lot of the Burr methods that I've seen and a lot of people that talk about, they kind of miss that last little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's two simple strategies that we use within the Burr method to allow us to buy properties and own assets um, that allow us to do this with little to no money, essentially. And those strategies are very simple, right? Number one, buy properties at a discount. And number two, we're going to increase the value of that property with a rehab. So by buying at a discount, we're capturing equity. And by rehabbing and, you know, renovating the property, rehab, renovate, upgrade, update, it's all the same thing at the end of the day. And the goal would be to increase the value of the property above and beyond what the rehab is. So, for example, if the rehab is going to be 20 grand, 
we would hope to increase the value of the property by let's say 30 grand. So the beautiful thing about the Burr method is, is it allows us to acquire assets with little to no money. And Jack, this is kind of cool. I was actually making a case study before we jumped on this podcast. And uh, I actually have a check here in my hand. It's not a huge check by any means, but I'll try to zoom in and let mm-hmm. you guys see. And for those that are listening, it's a check I'm holding in my hand for $5,310.25. And this doesn't seem like, you know, it may not seem like a big check to a lot of people that are listening, you know. However, in my opinion, this is a home run, maybe even a grand slam. Because by going through this method and using this strategy, right, the Burr method, I was able to acquire an asset with none of my own money. It's a rehabbed rental property. So all the capital expenditures and CapEx are going to be taken care of in advance. And we shouldn't have any major expenses on this property for at least the next five to seven, maybe even 10 years. It's rented, it's cash flowing. So again, it's an asset that I was able to acquire. And in the end, at refinance, I was able to walk away with a check for 5,000 bucks. So when I say that, you know, you can use this strategy to acquire properties with little to no money, that is very, very true. But in some cases, you can get a really, really good discount on a property and you can actually get paid to acquire a rental property. So that is just awesome. I love this strategy. Yeah. So, you know, I keep focusing on the buy at a discount, but I mean, we've heard as we're getting into real estate investing and a lot of our listeners have heard the concept of you make your money at the purchase and you're just really reinforcing that aspect of it and showing us that example, what you just did there was, was, was awesome. But um, when you say little to no money to, to acquire, um, do you, would you say that's even possible when, when you're doing that initial acquisition, let's say we're talking about somebody who is getting into real estate investing for that very first time, they don't have a lot of money. Let's go through the process of what they would do in order to land that first property. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I love helping people learn this strategy and I coach and mentor people on this strategy. And in order to do it right, you have to follow the process. So before we jump into that process, I want to take a step back uh, just for a minute, Jack, and I'll keep this super short. Um, But in the beginning, when I first started buying rental properties, um, I would go and I'd find a property on the MLS and I'd use an agent and I'd make the offer and the offer would get accepted. And then let's say it was a $150,000 property, which is about the average price of what I had been buying and still buy. Um, And I would then go to a bank. And the bank would say, hey, Dave, great. We're excited for you. Uh, We're going to lend you 80%. And the thing that, you know, I I look at that as the as the old way of doing things. And I and I kind of look back and say, hey, I I did this kind of wrong in a way. Now, obviously, buying rental properties, regardless of how you do it, is a good investment, in my opinion. But the bank would lend 80% on these deals. And of course, at 150,000. Uh, that leaves 20% or $30,000 that you have to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So the old way of doing it, not with Burr, just buying a rental, you're typically going to be required to put down 20%. And if the property is about 150000 like the ones I like to buy, that means you have to put down $30,000. You may have it, you may have saved it, you may have borrowed it, but regardless, you're putting down thirty grand to acquire a property. So now, circling back to your question, can somebody do this, you know, uh, without having a bunch of money? Well, the answer is yes, exactly. So 
now that we use the Burr method and we go through this strategy, we are still essentially having 20% skin in the game. But the difference is, is we're using the equity that we capture and or the, uh, the forced appreciation to be the skin in the game. So the bank's still going to lend 80% when you're using the Burr method. But the difference is, is they're not lending 80% on what you're buying it for, your purchase price. That's really irrelevant after you already own the property. So the big difference here is, is I'm not going to banks, local banks, local credit unions, even some of these national you know, lenders and asking to, for them to help me buy a property. I'm never going to them and saying, hey, I need a loan to purchase. I'm doing it a different way and I'm using the Burr method, which we'll explain in more detail in a minute. But whenever I am going to these long-term lenders, the difference is, is that I go and I say, hey, I already own this property. This asset's already in my name. It's, it's already mine but I owe somebody else money on it. And that's where your question is going to get to in a second here. Um, but what I would like to do now is I'd like to refinance. And then the difference is, is they don't lend on the purchase price. They lend on the appraised amount of the home. So if we can be all into the property, all in, purchase, rehab, interest, holding costs, closing costs, utilities, you know, hard money or private money interest, all in, if we can be all in at 80% of what it appraises for, in theory, the bank will pay back that private lender and all those costs, and we'll be able to acquire this property with little to no money, or in some cases, you know, walk away with the check at the end of the day. So how do we do this, right? Well, number one, we buy it at a discount, but we have to buy it. And I don't use any of my own money when I buy properties. And in fact, I try to encourage every one of my students to go create relationships with hard money or private money lenders, OPM, other people's money. So we're going to go and we're going to find a private money lender or a hard money lender, and we're going to build a relationship with them. And we're actually going to get pre-qualified. That's actually step one. It's not to buy the property. It's to go get pre-qualified and line up your financing. Step two is to locate a deal, right? If you can buy a property at a 20% discount or you know, 0.8 or 80% of what it's really worth, you've just captured equity. And it's going to make this a whole lot easier. But we are borrowing money from private and hard money lenders to acquire the deal. And the deal actually transfers from the seller's name into our name or our entity's name. And we, in fact, have a mortgage, but that mortgage is with a private or a hard money lender. So leverage is really one of the most beautiful things when it comes to real estate. And it's, in fact, one of the most beautiful things that we can use and, and, and take advantage of when we're using this awesome strategy called the Burr Method. So we borrow this money from a private or hard money lender, and I borrow 100% of what I need, in some cases, 105 or even 110%. So what I mean by that is, is I locate a property, and I always buy properties at a discount, and I'm going to borrow not only the purchase price, but I'm going to borrow the purchase and what I'm going to need to rehab that property. And in some cases, I might even tack on another five or 10, or in some cases, even another $20,000 on top of that, and I'm going to borrow 100% of what I need from these lenders. So the deal actually goes to a title company or a closing attorney, like a traditional deal would, and it transfers. We own it, but we now have some debt on it. We take that additional money that we borrowed above and beyond the purchase price to go rehab that property. So that's the first two letters, buy, B, and the first R is to rehab, right? Then what we do is we list that property for rent. And we get an, a tenant that's willing to sign a lease and move in and pay us rent. Well, that step there, that second R, you have your buy, you have your rehab, you have your rent, that second R, is what makes this an asset, 
right? The property is not an asset when it's not rented. It's in fact, it's a liability. But if the rent is above and beyond what we have to pay, you know, with all of our expenses, it's going to create cash flow, which is passive income. And banks love to lend on properties that are cash flowing, right? They, they, they know that that is an asset at that point. So then the next step would be to go to a bank, a long-term lender, could be a local bank, could be a national bank. I really like working with local banks and local credit unions. And I then approach them. And again, I, I said this earlier and I'm going to say it again. I never walk into that bank or contact the lender and say, hey, I'm trying to buy this property. I need a loan. I've already bought that property. I've used a hard money or a private money lender and I found myself a deal. I've already rehabbed it at this point. I've already got it rented at this point. And I walk into that bank or email or call or whatever it may be, but connect with my local banker. And I say, hey, I got another one. I'm using the Burr method. I'm very transparent with them. They know what I'm doing. I'm not hiding anything from anybody. But because I am so good at buying deals and because I am so good at keeping my rehab within my budget, I have built in a minimum of 15 or 20, or in some cases, 25% equity in the deal. And my bankers and lenders know this. This is no secret. So what I do is I go to them and I say, hey, but I would love to refinance out my existing debt with this private lender or this hard money lender that helped me buy it. Oh, and by the way, they lent me additional money to rehab it. So what do we need to do to get this this thing refinanced. And they don't ever ask me what I paid for the property because I'm not looking to buy it. I've already bought it. I already own it, right? But I have a short-term debt solution from a hard money or a private money lender. So the bank says, all right, great. We're going to send an appraiser out. And you know, typically speaking, I'm going to get an 80% loan. Depending on the neighborhood, you may get cut down to 70 or even 75, somewhere in that range. But typically speaking, the banks are going to lend me 80%. Well, if I'm all in, at 80% or below, that means that I'm going to be able to pay back that private lender or that hard money lender and have a new mortgage with a bank that's long-term, ideally at half of the interest, right? Because private money lenders are typically 10 to 12%, give or take, and hard money lenders are typically going to be between 12 and 16%, give or take right? But that's okay. It doesn't scare me. It doesn't bother me that I'm paying this higher interest because without these individuals, I would never be able to acquire these properties. And another thing I want to highlight here is, is that when we're borrowing money from a private or a hard money lender, this isn't a 20-year loan, right? This is typically a four to six, maybe even eight months at the most, but ideally we can do these in you know three, four months, right? So this process isn't something that we can do very quickly. It's not a day or a week type of a game, but I have done some of these in record time in the past with, you know, maybe a month and a half, two months, two and a half months, you know, on average, it's probably around four months, give or take to get through this process. But to answer your question, uh, you don't have to have a ton of, of money. In fact, I don't use any money on, on the deals that I do. I don't use any. I borrow 100% of the purchase and 100% of the rehab, buy it at a discount, rehab it, go get it rented, which makes it an asset, and then talk to that long-term lender. But again, I'm not asking that lender to help me purchase the property. I already own it. What I'm doing at this point is I'm asking them to refinance out another lender. And there are so many advantages here because when you go to do a refinance, the underwriting process is going to be a lot uh, simpler and quicker because they are essentially piggybacking on the due diligence of that initial lender. And that initial lender may or may not have done a bunch of due diligence, but the bank doesn't know that. They just assume that, hey, if somebody else is going to give you the loan, 
they must have done some due diligence. So they're able to piggyback on that. Another advantage is they're willing to lend on what it appraises for. They don't necessarily care anymore what we bought it for. So instead of coming to the table and putting down 20% or 30 grand, like I mentioned on a $150,000 property, now what I'm doing is I'm using the skin in the game, the equity, right? That I was able to capture by buying it at a discount and fixing it up as that 20% down. So can you do this with little to no money? Absolutely. I don't use any of my own money. I borrow 100% of what's needed from private and hard money lenders. And you don't even have to necessarily have perfect credit. You got to have some credit, of course, because you got to get a loan, uh, but you don't necessarily have to have a ton of money laying around or perfect, excellent credit to use this strategy. I love it. So just a reminder for everybody, head over to wholesalinginc.com slash rentals for more information about what David is talking about here. You know, one of the things, this is just going to be speaking from personal experience, David. Um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, after doing the, the refinancing and I might be, I'm, I'm obviously in a, in a smaller community than you, but uh, we actually had an, a, a few situations now where, you know, we're buying properties in the same streets and, and a, in a few other things. So when we're buying properties at a discount, we started to influence the uh, comps in that neighborhood because of, of the discounted purchases. So uh, we've, we actually had, we had to actually have to um, renegotiate or talk to the appraiser of that refinancing bank because the, the, we, we were running into problems where it wasn't appraising as high as it needed to be. Yeah. You know what? That can be, that, that is an issue sometimes. However, you know, what we do is we show the appraiser that we bought it at a discount and then we show them the repairs that we made. And in fact, I will often bring a, you know, a printout of an Excel file or a Google sheets file that shows, you know, all the money that we spend. And we will point out that we put a new roof on the property. We'll point out that the property's got brand new windows. We'll point out that the HVAC and the water heater are brand new. We will point out that the property has been freshly painted and it's got new light fixtures. We will point out if it's got a brand new kitchen or countertops or cabinets or whatever it may have. We will point out that brand new uh, bathroom. So the fact that there may be lower comps can be a challenge, but it's an easily, easily, easily overcomable one because you can show that the comp is referring to a property that needs a bunch of work. And the one that you are trying to get, you know, appraised has had a bunch of work done to it. And, you know, most people are going to put two and two together and have common sense and say, oh my goodness, we see that you bought this at a discount. That's great. Good work. But those comps are irrelevant because as you know, that by definition, comp means comparable. And if a property has a brand new kitchen, a brand new roof, a brand new HVAC, it's not going to be comparable to the low comps that don't have those items. So great question. Good point. Uh, but in my opinion, that is a super easy thing to overcome uh, because again, you can just show the appraiser all of these new things. And maybe there are some high comps that have these new things that you can then compare to. Sure. So when when you're coaching your new students, like where do you typically instruct them to get to begin? Like some of some people who for the most part, they're getting into the Burr method of any kind. They don't really have a lot of construction experience or that type of knowledge. Um so they, uh, they, all their experiences, maybe seeing the HGTV get it done in 30 minutes as, as their 
So where do you where do you instruct them to get started with with that first property? Great question, great question. So you know, as you do this over and over again, I've done about two hundred bird deals. So I consider myself to you know be a master at it, right? In fact, I did one two days ago. Got the check right here. Able, I acquired an asset and I got paid to do it. Right? It's not a ton of money, but who do you know that gets paid to acquire assets? Very few people, right? Use this strategy, use this method. And you're going to be able to do that as well. So in the beginning, you know, if you're not really the best at buying deals, you may have to leave some money in the deal. But let me ask you a question real quick. You know, if you were to, you know, use this strategy and you were able to borrow the money to buy it, borrow the money to rehab it, go rehab it. And let's say that you didn't get the best deal on the buy. You didn't get a 20% equity capture out the gate. You only got a 10% equity capture out the gate. And then let's say that you rehabbed it and maybe you went over budget a little bit, right? And in the end, you had to essentially come to close. The, you know, at the close, the refinance bank's gonna pay back your private lender and you know, for the purchase, the rehab, the interest, you're gonna have costs to close, you're gonna have holding costs, so on and so forth. But let's just say you get to the finish line and you gotta bring five grand to the table, right? Well, at the end of the day, that is still a massive discount compared to $30,000, right? Remember mm-hmm. whenever I took a step back and I said, I want to tell you guys a quick story about, so the reason I tell that is because before I learned the Burr method, I was already investing in real estate for 10 years, actually probably closer to 12. And I didn't know about this method, but I was still buying rentals. And in fact, in the first 10 years, I acquired 12 rental properties and they averaged about $150,000 a piece. So if you do the math, 10 of those at 30 grand a piece is 300 grand. 12 is $360,000. So I had to come out of pocket 360 grand over a 10 year period to acquire 12 rental properties. So even if you don't do it perfectly, and that's really my job as a coach is to help you avoid these mistakes and to do this with little to no money as possible. And if you get really good at it, like me, you can get paid to do these deals, right? Um, but even if you have to leave a little in, five grand, even 10 grand, hey, that's a whole lot better than $30,000, which essentially is 20% of a $150,000 purchase. So the goal, my friend, is always little to no money. But the home run grand slams, like I just hit earlier this week, are the ones that you actually get paid at closing to do the deal. So not only did I get paid and it's not a bunch of money. I mean, five grand is five grand. I mean, who doesn't want an extra five grand? Let's be honest. Right. Mm-hmm. But I now own an asset that's got long-term financing in place with a fixed loan, right? A fixed interest rate. It's been fully rehabbed. And we typically put about 25 to $30,000 worth of rehab into our properties. So it's got a brand new roof, brand new HVAC, brand new flooring, Uh, brand new windows, typically a brand new kitchen and or a brand new bathroom. So I've reduced all the capital expenditures for the immediate future. And when I say immediate, I mean like five to seven years, maybe even 10 years, right? There's still going to be maintenance, of course, but I've reduced all the major big expenses for a decade, essentially. Mm -hmm. Additionally, I've increased the value of that property. So when it comes to getting it appraised, I'm going to have a really good appraisal because everything is clean, fresh, new, and updated. And then last but not least, I'm going to be able to get it rented quickly because it's clean and new, but even more so than quickly, I'm going to be able to get the market rate rent or oftentimes 
I'm going to be able to set a new rate, a new record. So if other three bedroom, one bath properties in the area are renting for 1200, but mine's got a brand new, basically everything in it, I could easily rent that for 13 or 14 or maybe even $1,500. So this strategy is not just a good method to acquire assets with little to no money. It's a good method to do that, but acquire assets that you really want to own. Good ones that are going to appraise for a lot of money and help you, you know, not have to put down a bunch of money to, to acquire them. Assets that are going to not need a bunch of work right away and assets that are going to rent for the highest in the neighborhood, right? So there are so many advantages to this strategy. Hopefully I answered your question. Yep, you sure did. So, you know, I, I have to ask that you you said you did 200 transactions, I've done about was, a thousand transactions. 200 of those have actually been burrs okay. where I've gone through the entire process and refinanced. Sure. Okay. So you went through 200 burrs. What is your one biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? Love it, man. Love it. So this is a great question. So I have lost money on three real estate deals, three. And I've done about 700 wholesale deals. I've done about 200 bur deals. I've done about a thousand transactions, give or take. We do some fix and flip too. And so over, at over about a thousand transactions, I've lost money on three deals. And all three of those deals, I did two things wrong. Number one, I overestimated my ARV. So I don't care if you're wholesaling, fix and flipping, buying rentals, using the Burr method like I love to do. Do not overestimate your ARV. Get a conservative ARV. And if it sells for more or appraises for more, that's icing on the cake, my friends. But do not try to set a new record with your ARVs. ARV stands for after repair value for those that don't know. So figure out what you think a good conservative ARV is and stick to it. And if you beat it, Great, icing on the cake. But on the three deals out of a thousand that I lost on, I overestimated my my ARVs. That was one of the two things I did wrong. The second thing I did wrong was I underestimated the cost to fix these properties up, the repair estimates. And when you underestimate your cost of repairs, you are going to have to get more money or dig into your pocket to fund the rest of the repairs. So the two things that I would caution Anybody and everybody, I don't care if you are brand new or if you are an experienced investor like myself, is to be conservative with your ARV. Don't overestimate them. And then on the flip side is don't be too conservative with your repairs. Pad them a little bit. So when I walk into a property and I say, I think I can do this for 20, maybe 25, I'm going to borrow 30 because I know that if I screw up and I underestimate these repairs, I'm going to get into hot water here, right? Or I'm going to get into some a situation where I'm going to have to go get more money or use my own money. And I don't want to use any of my own money. I want to borrow every penny that I can to do this, right? That's another beautiful thing about this strategy is we're acquiring assets and we're using other people's money to do it. So on that topic, let's talk about leverage just for a quick second here. We use leverage in every step of the model here, every step of the strategy. So when we're buying at a discount, we often leverage wholesalers in our market, right? We do a lot of marketing and find deals direct to seller. And I would I would um, tell every one of the listeners that they should do that too. They should learn the direct to seller marketing game. That's the best way to find deals. But if you are busy, you have a full-time job and a family and you don't want to get into the marketing business, don't. It's okay. 
leverage other wholesalers. So we leverage marketing and wholesalers to find deals, right? Next, we're going to leverage hard money and private money lenders to buy the deals. I don't swing a hammer. I'm going to leverage general contractors and subcontractors to fix these properties up for me. And I used to do my own property management, but I'm way too lazy to do that nowadays. So I hire property managers and I leverage property managers to do the leasing and the and the, the uh, maintenance requests and the rent collection. And if anybody gets later behind it, we got to get them out of there. I leverage them to go help with all those efforts. And then last but not least, we leverage the long-term cheap bank financing to position this asset for a long-term play. So they pay back that private or that hard money lender. So leverage is basically built into every single step of the equation. So one of the things that you you brought up here now, ARV and and the cost of the rehab, which were the, the cause of your your three failure, you know, I shouldn't call them failures, but your, they were your lessons. problems, they're <laughs> they lessons. Yeah, those are frankly some of the most volatile things. Now we're dealing with a kind of an economy situation here right now. How are you dealing with with the volatility regarding inventory and, for that matter, the the cost of the rehabs? That's a great question. So the cost of the rehabs has gone up, and that's due to two things, really. It's due to uh, materials being more expensive, and it's also due to the cost of labor going up. That's inflation 101. Everything's going to cost more, right? The, the purchasing power of your dollar is going to be a little less. So we know that. We see it, right? When we go into Home Depot and we buy plywood or drywall or paint, we see that that price is more expensive than it was two years ago. So we factor that in, right? And when it comes to um, inventory, that's something that we can't really control. So, you know, we're going to have to make more offers today than we did six months ago or two years ago to be able to get a deal. But I can tell you this, I don't pay retail for properties. In fact, I did for 10 years. Remember when I told you guys that I was doing it the wrong way, where I was locating the property and then you know, making an offer via an agent. These were all listed on the MLS. I was paying full retail for properties, right? I did it the wrong way. I'm glad I did because I wouldn't be here where I'm at today if I didn't. But the new way of going about doing this is find properties at a discount. So you got to buy properties at a discount. And if you buy properties at a deep enough discount, ideally a minimum of 15, if not 20%, you basically are reducing your risk substantially. So when I first started buying properties at a discount, I would look at the discount and kind of try to calculate how much money I could make off of the property. Well, now I look at it a little differently. Now I say, hey, is this a big enough discount where I can screw up my ARV, screw up my repairs, maybe make maybe take two or three months longer than anticipated, and can I still break even on this deal? And if the answer is no, then I'm not buying it at enough of a discount. So if you buy at a discount, you can reduce your risk. You can mitigate your risk. And then when it comes to the rehabbing, which is another part of your question, you, you just you don't want to be overly optimistic and think you're going to be able to go in and do paint and carpet for two grand. It's not going to happen. The paint alone is going to probably cost you two grand. And the carpet's mm-hmm. going to probably cost you another two, if not three grand. So, you know, just don't be overly optimistic. And if you're brand new, get bids, get quotes, bring another experienced investor in your marketplace and to look over your shoulder and see how you're doing. And if you are experienced, 
just don't get a big head and overly opt and overly optimistic about the fact that you may get some crazy ARV and that you can replay, you know, repair, rehab, renovate that property. Those are all the same things essentially um, for less than the true cost. So I guess the best way to answer that question is to just be realistic. And the more and more you do this, the better you're going to get at it. Great question. So, um, just to remind everybody one more time, head over to wholesalinginc.com slash rentals. Um, I wanted, I was hoping you can share one more thing with you. I, I asked you about your, your, uh, give us an example of your, of your biggest problem and, and what you learned from it. I'd like you to share with us a story about one of your students and, and a home run that they made. Like where did you, you they started off not knowing anything and share with one of us, one of your students' successes. Yeah, absolutely. So I got tons of students and they all have lots of successes. But, you know, one of my favorite successes, and I see this a lot, is somebody will buy a property or get one under contract and they will say, hey, this is great. You know, I can wholesale this and I can make like, you know, 10 grand, for example, maybe maybe even 15, 20 or more. Right. And then what I like to do is I like to say, hey, would you rather get ten thousand dollars today on this? Or in three or four months, would you like to own this property with none of your own money and then make $400 a month forever, right? And oftentimes they say, hey, I don't necessarily need the 10 grand. If they need it, wholesale it, no problem. Make the money. I want to help you do that too. But by creating passive income from this rental property, you don't have to be stuck on the transaction treadmill. And I love teaching people this and opening their eyes to this. I have 92 units right now in my portfolio and that portfolio spits off about 20,000 bucks a month. So if I don't, you know, want to work for a week or a month or a quarter, I don't have to. I got 20 grand a month coming in for my rental properties. I love doing deals. I love buying and wholesaling and fixing and flipping, but I'm not required to wake up every day and rush to the office to go do the next deal because my portfolio pays me if I'm in town or not. If I'm awake or asleep, it's still producing capital. So one of the best successes that I love seeing my students, you know, accomplish is to get into the rental game and to use the Burr method because the Burr method will allow you to acquire these assets with little to no money. And again, often sometimes get paid to do it. So I just had a student uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago. His name is Derek, good buddy of mine. Uh, He bought two rental properties fixed them up, uh, got them rented, and he went to refinance and pulled out $10,000 above and beyond what he had borrowed to buy both of those. They were, again, rehabbed properties in great shape, was able to charge very good rent, market rent or above, uh, was able to get them appraised for a nice healthy number, and acquired two assets and got paid $10,000 to do it. Now, if he would have bought those two and wholesaled them, he would have probably made 10, maybe 15,000 from the wholesale, but he now owns these still and still got the 10,000 bucks. And every month, each of these properties pays him between three and $500. So let's average it at 400 a property. He's got two of them. That's $800 a month he's getting to put in his pocket. And he still walked away with 10,000 after the refi. No, I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, well, David, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciated your time here tonight. Um, again, head over to wholesalinginc.com slash rentals for more information. Check out Dave's podcast. I mean, uh, it's all about Burr Method Mastery. 
it's even on if you're watching this on YouTube, you can catch that there. But uh, really appreciate your time, David. Before I let you go, is there a thought or question you wished we would have covered here tonight? You know, not really. We covered a lot of it. You know, I would say that the only other piece of advice that I'd really want to give people is um, you don't have to have a bunch of money to do this. And you don't have to have perfect credit either. Now, you can't have a 300 credit score. Let's be realistic. You got to get a bank loan in the end to be able to exit these, right? And oftentimes, the hard money or the private money lender is going to do some due diligence on you as well. But you don't need to have $30,000 to buy a rental property, right? You may only need to have five or $10,000 liquid to go get this loan. And if you buy it at a discount and you fix it up and you follow the strategy, the method, right, in the end you can acquire the asset with very little to no money. And here's the thing. This is super scalable. Right now, I think I maybe have eight or nine or maybe even 10 projects somewhere within the Burr method. I'm either buying them, I'm in the rehab process, I'm in the leasing process, or I'm in the refinancing process. So it is very, very scalable. But at the end of the day, and I think you said this earlier, maybe not this exact phrase, but you meant it, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. So if you're able to learn how to buy properties at a discount, either direct to seller marketing or from piggybacking off of the other wholesalers in your market, this strategy is very, very scalable and it's not difficult at all. And as a coach and a mentor to my students, I make it my goal and my mission to help them get in into these you know, type of deals and exit the deal with a little to no money in the end. So, well, I can't, I, I just really appreciate your time, David. Um, you're welcome back anytime. I hope you'll take me up on that. Um, for, I mean, we could have kept going. Uh, next thing you know, we would have been an hour and a half into this. So that's right. I really that's appreciate right. your time, Dave. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on the show and, you know, my goal, as always, when I'm podcasting and I'm a guest on somebody's show is to just provide as much value as I possibly can. So I'm confident that, you know, I provided value to the audience today. And again, I really appreciate you having me on today, Jack. Thanks so much. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks, sir. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.